Behold, behold, behold the pale podcast. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. My life has value. My life has value. Behold the Pale Podcast. A pale podcast. <laughs> How's everybody doing out there? Uh, fuck. You going, fuck. <laughs> Shit. I dropped my I dropped my vitamin. Oh, <laughs> what type of vitamin are we talking? You were wrestling vitamin. A little blue pill. <laughs> vitamin D three. Ah. Just go in the sun. Yeah. Just go take a walk outside. You in the yeah. video game generation over there. I'm outside for like four hours every day at least. That's good. I get some good. I get out. I get out. I get outside. Oh, good. That, that sunny day is good for you. Yeah. Especially after big COVID times. COVID times. So, yeah. you know, getting into some brainwashing. You know what I mean? Um, today's episode, folks, is on, uh, you know, the MK Ultra deal. Now, the MK Ultra is a big deal. Uh, it's wide and uh, covers a gigantic amount of land, um, not physically, but mentally. Um, you know, what do you guys, have you, did you guys know much about MK Ultra coming into this? We'll read up a little bit on it in two seconds. But anybody else know, you know, outside of the regular, just kind of what it was? No, not really. I mean, uh, it's one of those things that you you hear about, but you don't really know what about it or yeah. what's really. And it's it's one of those things that uh, you watch like a late night B sci fi movie, and you hear uh, hear hear it dropped, and you're like, oh, what are they talking about? Kind of deal. Yeah. Anybody see that American Ultra movie from like maybe seven years ago or so? With Eisenberg, mm. Jesse Eisenberg was in it. Yeah, I did. How was that? Yeah, stupid. That's kind of what I heard, <laughs> yeah. But that was one. But of yeah, the- it's a, it, it's along the same premise. Like he's like a, a sleeper cell that gets activated, and he's got all these powers. Yeah. I don't know if that's uh, full LSD MK Ultra, but it's down like the brainwashing path, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. right there with it. It goes hand in hand with the rest of it. So uh, real quickly, you know, uh, MK Ultra 
was a top-secret CIA project in which the agency conducted hundreds of uh, clandestine experiments, uh, sometimes on unwitting U.S. citizens, to assess the potential U.S. Uh, use of LSD and other drugs for mind control, information gathering, and psychological torture. Though Project MKUltra lasted from 1953 to about 1973, nice even number there, you know, right, the three ends with the three, uh, which is nice. Details the illicit program didn't become public until 1975 during a congressional investigation into widespread illegal CIA activities within the United States and around the world. I mean, it would make sense that investigating something else would kind of spill the beans on this. You know, you almost kind of wonder if like these accidental investigations is the only way these things are even stumbled upon. You know what I mean? Like if, if they were, if, if, if they knew that somebody was driving towards that conclusion, that those are probably the people that we would have in a whacked out, X'd out, uh, whoever episode, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Human experimentation is something that I like every government participates in, of course. And uh, like what's what's crazy about it is like the U.S. government obviously always wants to be, you know, they want to like in World War Two and stuff. They wanted to be on the right side. So they were like, oh, that's this is horrible. This is bad. But like nobody will deny that. I mean, crazy advancements come from a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Like in medicine, so it's 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 yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like it's so weird. It's like how many how many uh, weird experiments have occurred that we just don't even know about. We still don't know about today. Like think about it. Like they could just be dropping. Like they could be you know there could be like I don't believe in the whole chemtrail stuff, but think about like all that stuff back in like the what is like the seventies or something like the DDT was it? Yeah. Like oh, where they yeah, sprayed yeah. the they sprayed like the DDT crops. and stuff. Yeah. Like how, yeah, how much of that stuff, like how much of the pesticides sprayed on crops, like there could be, you know, there could be some sort of like mind altering substance in there. Like nobody would know about it. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. I mean, it's like, one of we those wouldn't things. know about it because we're just so used to it. You know, we've been eating, we've been eating it for so many years. Well, that's the thing. You know, once it's there, you know, you know, like I think we talked about this on the show before, like, or maybe this is a mostly ghostly thing where. It was like, you know, wrap your head around this theory. So, like, everybody's born with, you know, how and we're not allowed to use our, the full, our full brain, right? So, let's say everybody was born being able to use their full brain. But because that people don't want that, let's say they release some type of low-frequency hum or some type of vibration or noise that you just, you don't even realize is there because it's been since the second you were born. But that little hum closes down a piece of your brain could we wrap your head around that what do you think what do you guys think about something like that um little I, jeff I have... is fucking bewildered by that he <laughs> says no, no way no, no way in reality no, I, I just always i when i think about these things it's like all right I, like how like it would ah i don't know like it would require somebody to have that full so there'd be like a group of people that of course have the full access right like you could say like oh well that's the you know, like illuminati or something right yeah. but then it's like how do they know that they're not being manipulated in a way Which, and yeah and and exactly. so like what is the what is like the i don't know it's just like it would require somebody to know to knowingly be able to do it mm. and how would they then make sure that they're not affected by it 
uh, I don't know. It's weird, weird to me. And not to mention too, like I'm pretty sure that that's a myth that we only use like a certain percentage of our brains. I'm pretty sure that like scientists have debunked that. Well, I've talked to some people before that I could say, you know, that they might not use the entire processing system. <laughs> but, yes. You know, uh, and to go back to the health thing, you know, I know right now in current time, they're loose, using a lot of like the hallucinogenic drugs to deal with like depression and like, yeah, you yeah. know, post-traumatic stress and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is cool. Well, that's cool for sure. Like the way that they've been experimenting with LSD and mushrooms and stuff for, for various different, cause I mean, I'm sure that these drugs like have, uh, medical, you know, legitimate medical uses, but they've well, just like been kind of, they're like these yeah. enlightenment things that are happening where they're like going to the, the, the seventh circle of hell. They're going through all these different stages of like, uh, the spirit dying, then the mind dying and then being reborn again into like a pe- more peaceful person type situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about like, just like how, how long it took uh, people to start realizing like, I mean, they still like, they still stigmatize marijuana use, right? But like, it's getting better now. Like now you're not a drug addict if you smoke weed, <laughs> but right. like four, you know, 30 years ago. Not even 30 years ago. Tw- 10, like 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Five years ago. Really before yeah. like they, they legalized, they started like, legalizing marijuana it was like as soon as they could sell it as soon as it was put in a store then it was okay you know what i mean as soon as they could make money off it it was a big dose all right okay to do uh which is Uh, yes no one told me that about weed back in the late 60s and 70s because we had a different motto back then well, it was more except it was more of like a, you know kind of the way it is now then, right? Like it was everybody was smoking weed and it was cool, right? It was not legal, but yeah, yeah. everybody was, everybody was doing it. So when exactly did they make it legal? Like illegal? When was it? When did it? When did they pass that bill? I think it was in. I think it was like a little bit. I think it was during or before World War Two. Like the pineapple. Experiment. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. No, no, no. It was what was that movie they made? In like the, there was a movie that was made in like the 30s or 40s or something. Oh, Reefer Madness. Yeah, Reefer Madness. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it was like, wasn't it around that time that it became illegal? Probably. You can still get it too. I like those are the best where the, they smoke weed and then they like they kill everybody in their family because they. Smoke I'm weed. looking it up now. It says October 1937. It became a banned substance. What? Wait. What year? 1937. 1937 October what? It just no, it just oh. says October 1937. I thought, it was, I thought he said Halloween for a second. <laughs> what a trick or treat for everybody! But yeah, I mean, I don't know. You think you, that you know some of the the weed that they release nowadays uh, is like super duper weed? Well, people are going crazy like with with it. Like I actually just read an article yeah. a couple minutes ago like that there was people people actually have to be told now like there's like articles out by like newspapers saying don't eat 1000 milligram edibles. And it's like you think that that would be common sense like that yeah, I'm probably like most people probably shouldn't eat 1000 milligram edibles. Like if I ate a 1000 milligram edible, I probably wouldn't talk to anybody for a week. Well, that would just be like an abuse like any other you know, drug or anything. So yeah, like, you're not going to die, but, like, you're probably not going to have a good time. You're going to that seventh circle of hell through weed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, horrendous. Once the edibles are in you, it's a, it's a vicious ride. You have to white-knuckle it, I hear. But it's nice, though. I think it's a good thing that... I, I think it's a good thing that weed is is more normalized and legal, and, like, 
getting along the, the lines now where it's like destigmatized because I think when you, when we were growing up, you know, like you'd buy people, there was always that hype. Like people would always tell you, Oh, it's laced with something and like, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. And it just kind of like drove that fear into you. So you always had to, you know, you always had to think like a twice and everything like that. But now it's just kind of, you can go to the store and get a pre-rolled joint that's like <laughs> medical grade quality and like, you know, where it's grown and you, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you're hoping you just, they lace it. You're hoping they lace it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all, you know, super, it's like almost double the price. Yeah, but there was never like, that was the other thing too. Like no one was really ever lacing weed. Like that was a myth. Like no one was really doing that. It was just kind of like. That's because we don't have shoes. They were just driving the. Yeah, oh. the hysteria. Oh. But excuse me while I kiss the sky. Um, yeah, the weed's interesting. So, do you think that with all this crazy high powerful weed, do you think there's any type of maybe uh, something put in it that made that stress uh, made it that 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 more you know powerful? Maybe too, maybe too. I just um, think, you know, I, I just think people growing, down a bit. I don't. I don't know. I just think people that's are pretty. The growing practices are getting better, more efficient. Like people are getting, people are getting, it's like, every, you know, it's like everything, like it's advancing, like it's a science. I mean, it's, it's not like, yeah. it's not like it was, you know, a hundred years ago, people just planted, they didn't care what they were planting or didn't care what they were smoking. Now there's just so many different strains and there's so much science behind it and there's so much money being put into it. And all that, all that research just leads to a better, stronger, you know, more intense product. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you for sure. Um I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's a bad thing. What the weed well there's way worse things. I weeds the comes from the earth, you know, it's, you gotta yeah. give it a pat on the back for that. That's huge. Because all the other drugs are man made, you know, really yeah. tobacco well tobacco like nick you know, nicotine comes yeah. from the earth too. Well <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And Jerry. like t- technically, like, and that's hard. I mean, it took us so many years to figure out that that was killing, t- you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people a year. Yeah. So that's true. I mean, that's my suspicion is like, is tobacco as is like, if you pluck tobacco and smoke it, is it just as toxic after it's uh, since before it goes through the mills and all that and they spray it and get it all. I know in the crops it's sprayed, but like once they, yeah, I mean, I think that they, I think that, like, they say that even technically, like, I mean, anything, if you're inhaling anything, like, burned. Yeah. That it, cre- you know, it's, it's it's carcinogenic, but I don't know. There's not enough, there's not enough uh, scientific data, like, on, in, in, in the marijuana, com- like, on marijuana, the marijuana community right now, I think, to, like, say whether or not it's it's as bad or if it's yeah. I think that there's been some things that said it's not as good as people think it is. You know, it's not, well, definitely think, not as healthy yeah. as it. It's definitely not as healthy as it as people have thought it it, it is for you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to ingest it now that it's. I mean, you don't even have to. You don't have to smoke it. You can just eat it. I mean, you can yeah. eat it, and I'm sure that that's probably like not bad at all for you. I would imagine. They rub I mean, it who on. Knows? Too, I well, yeah. You can, yeah, you can apply the creams now. Like if you have a an, you know an injury or something, like rather than using Tiger Bomb or whatever, you can use like a a THC bomb. That's probably pretty effective. Yeah. I like the hair. Anybody ever use THC? Um, like the ointment? No, nope. I did a while ago. It yeah, didn't really do anything for me. Didn't, I didn't think it would. I always felt like it was, didn't, wouldn't have any type of oomph to it. 
I got the uh, what was it? The CBD oil. Yeah, I'm supposed yeah. to rub it on on flare ups, and I uh, had like I don't my wrist was swollen from jerking off or something. I <laughs> yeah. But I put it on, and I just remember sitting there like five hours later, like yeah, this is fucking nothing. Wow, right. thank you. Yeah. But I, it's different for everybody, you know. I. I think it's also for people that have like the, the most they've ever done in life was like Tylenol. So like <laughs> when they have this little thing, it like it, it, it's more of an effect on them. So you know, as opposed to somebody who's done any, anything realistically. Well, I mean, Tylenol is Tylenol is fucking horrible for you. Yeah. Well, they, they, so they sponsor the show, Jeff. So we got to give them props. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah, even no, get Tylenol I mean. like here. A lot of those, you know, the you can't even buy Tylenol in in, in 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 Austria. What was it? Ibuprofen was supposedly killing people when COVID first broke. I remember if you took that, you were like in a greater risk of getting sick. Anybody remember that? Yeah, I yeah, remember things. Like I heard so. I've heard so many like so many things. You know, but it's yeah. But it's all those. You know, you got like. Your weed compared to like, you know, the pain pills and, you know, like depression medication that you got going around way better than that stuff. You know what I mean? That stuff's like really fucks you up heavily inside your body, your mind, all types of stuff. Well, like here they, uh, you have to get a, um, we have pharmacies, like pharmacies for everything. So, I mean, that's pretty, I think that's pretty much like pretty standard for Europe, but like you can't go into a store and Uh buy painkillers. Like you have to go to the pharmacy to get like painkillers or multivitamins or stuff like well, that. Well, yeah, we can't. We can, we have we have the we have those pharmacy things over here too, Jeff. Yeah, but you can go <laughs> to Trucci's. <laughs> no, I know, I get, I get that. But I'm saying like you can't walk into a we don't you can't walk into like any other store and buy yeah. pain meds. But you can go into like Target and buy Tylenol, or you can go into like yeah. Trucci's or buy and buy Tylenol. It's just not as like, hev- it's not as heavily regulated. What's the reasoning behind that? It's just like to. Um, you know, you have to like your. It's not like you have to have like a doctor. The well, actually, like technically, like I guess because the the pharmacy employs like medical professionals and stuff. But I think it's just to make sure that like you're getting the right thing for you. Like if you walk in and say, "Oh, I have this. I have pain here, and it's because of this and that," they'll say, "Oh, like well, we we have these options for you." Instead of you just kind of like going on WebMD and like figuring out. In, do they do the health insurance where like you got to be on a waiting list? Is it over there? All right. No. Cool, cool. No, actually, Austria is like probably one of the best like social insurance programs in Europe. Um, yeah, I've never, I've actually like been very, very, I think the medical care here is very good. I, I've yeah. never waited for anything. Cool. Like if you, and you have like different, yeah, I mean, it's, the thing is, is like, I've noticed doctors here are much more conservative with their treatments. They don't jump, they don't jump to like the highest paying kind of thing. Right. There's a lot of like different things put in place too. For for instance, a doctor can't own a doctor can't sell another service. So if like, if you go to an eye doctor, they can't then sell you the glasses. Huh. You have to go to a separate business. That's way different. So they make sure that there's no, yeah. like there's, there's no outside influence dictating their medical decision. You know, that's a big part of the problem over here. You know, because they're always, yeah. you know, they're, the doctors are pushing medication and getting a kickback from, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've heard that they, that still kind of occurs here, like mm-hmm. what drugs are on the, but it's more like what drugs are on the market. What like, they'll slide through type deal? Like the yeah, I mean, supposedly I've heard that like, like we have Marlena's sister and her boyfriend work for Novartis mm-hmm. in Vienna. 
And they, they're like, oh, well, you know, the medical, like, it, the drugs that are on the market are heavy, you know, they heavily depend on, like, kind of who's pay, who's kind of, like, paying the most money and who's who has the best, like, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, because there are companies at the end of the day, like, who's selling, you know, who's uh, the salesmen or, or, like, kind of telling the doctors, like, hey, like, you should sell, you should give, you should give them this Novartis pill instead of yeah. whatever, like, this other pill from this other company. But... Yeah. The same amount of doctors going into the medical field because they want to help people. There's the equal amount of people going in because they know how much money can be made there, if not more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, with the, to get back into the MK Ultra thing real quick, you know, supposedly it lasted from 1953 to 1973, so it had a nice 20-year run. Before in 1975 is when it went public, which is kind of convenient that when they went when they found out about it, they said, "Oh no, that that ended." You know, uh, you know, two yeah. years ago, whatever. Yeah, of course. You know, it's a crazy deal, um, but you can't prove it. So, and uh, I wonder whatever happened to the gentleman that figured that out. But uh, the Cold War uh, and Project MK Ultra was was a great relationship. They were bestest of friends. In the 1950s and 1960s, the height of the cold and the height of the Cold War, the United States government feared that Soviet, uh, Chinese, and North Korean agents were using mind control to brainwash U.S. prisoners of the uh, war in Korea. In response, Alan Doles, director of the Central Intelligence Agency, the good old CIA, approved Project MK Ultra in 1953. Uh, the covert, uh, covert operation aimed to develop techniques that could be used against Soviet bloc enemies to control human behavior with drugs and other psychological manipulators. The program involved more than 150 human uh, experiments involving psychedelic drugs, uh, paralytics, and electroshock therapy. Sometimes the test subject uh, knew they were participating in a study, but other times they did not, which is very upsetting. <laughs> what a rude awakening that is, huh? Even, or it could be fun. You never know what you're going, dipping your toes into. Even when the hallucinogens started taking effect. So, yeah, you know, I have... Um, we're off the record here, right, guys? I've done <laughs> I've I've done acid before in my day. You definitely know something's going down <laughs> when that when when that starts to slide in. Um, uh, I've done it twice in my day. One, uh, the first time, it was a feeling of just giddiness where I felt like a little kid Christmas morning. You couldn't get the smile off your face, and you were just like. Uh, and the second time was more wasn't so giddy, unfortunately, because the giddiness was a fun deal. Um, acid lasts like eight hours too. That's another thing you need to keep in mind. Um, so they're getting a full fucking night in in with this. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I definitely they definitely would have to know. Even if they didn't know they were being dosed, once it started to take effect, I think they would definitely. Definitely mm. know what was up. Has anybody else here ever tried the old LSD? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, no, sorry, I, I, I haven't. I tried uh, well, it later yeah. in life. Yeah. Well, we, I tried it way talk- later in life, but I, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, we won't. We have children that listen. We won't go deeper. If you're talking about <laughs> uh, my days in school, late '60s, early '70s, yeah, any any time, <laughs> not the last five minutes, Ray. Ray's like, I don't. Ray's like, I don't remember like a solid 10 year block of my life. <laughs> like, you know, the, the model, the model back then was sex, drugs and rock and roll. So 
but uh, LSD was not one. Uh, mushrooms, psilocybin, that stuff was that stuff was great. And of course, weed, and hash, and stuff like that. But LSD is probably one of the few things I didn't try. And the fame, yeah. the fame tie stick. I always hear people talk about tie stick from like the seventies and sixties. Something actually just came to. Oh, sorry. You go. I was gonna, gonna say you can talk about tie sticks and something that you said they call number one. I like that number one. That's like James Bond. That's what James Bond gets <laughs> high off of. 007, I need some number one pronto. I'm getting the shakes again. I was uh, I was gonna say that I thought of. Uh, I heard something a while back about MK Ultra being like an explanation for why there was so many kind of like strange alien related abduction stories within that time period because like a lot of people like literally would just get like picked up off the street like weird shit like apparently like people were saying that they just take you and like you wouldn't you know you'd be they drug you like you might get drugged at a bar and not realize it and then like next thing you know you wake up and there's a bunch of weird shit going on and so a lot of people were associating that with so that was a thing like no one really knows like how how many people were experimented on, how random the selection was because they were like really good at like kind of covering their tracks. You also, so that's where the anal probes came from. You know, probably. that's how they, they gave you the, uh, the MK ultra. They just, you know, probe gas and inject it in there. That's, yeah. that's probably where I've, I've heard. From. I've heard like a bunch of, I've heard a bunch of like stuff related to it. Technically I've heard that MK ultra is still going on because yeah. like Ritalin and like all those like drugs are essentially like, more uh, legal ways to pursue it. So like they're testing how like Ritalin and how um, was it uh, Adderall and stuff like yeah. how effective they are for like propaganda and manipulate like, that type of stuff, like social engineering. That's where I was going with the p- real powerful weed thing. You know what I mean? Okay. That's where I was kind of going with something like that. If you think they'd be using that tactic still, you know, it makes sense because you even look at um, you look at commercials on TV. There's a lot of like weird brainwashing and, you know, sex is thrown in when it doesn't need to be there. You know, I think I've talked about on the show before, but I had, my, I had a diabetes scare when I was in the hospital clutching on my life. I was watching the TV and every commercial that came on was like food that would kill you. Like it was super sugary foods or it was soda or it was like just terrible shit. And uh, that's brainwashing too within itself, I feel. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know, the same way, you know, all the people want to be, uh, you know, I know some people that, you know, like Kim Kardashian. Kim, you know, right, Sean? You know, not Sean. Sean ain't a Kim Kardashian fan, but we know people that like, like you love Kim Kardashian, I think even something like that's a little bit of like a brainwash thing where yeah, like it's absolutely. almost like they tell you who you need to look up to. Well think about like think about even just the fact it's so weird because you have drug commercials on the one yeah. hand telling you like on TV, like if you what what is television really? It's like television is like you know, the commercials, it's like you have drug commercials and then you have like sugary, like right. fast food commercials. And it's super like crazy because no one will ever tell you, like, there's never been a commercial I don't, that I could remember in history of my exist, you know, of my watching of television that told me to eat fruits and vegetables. They're like, eat healthy. Right. Like, it's always like they're telling you to eat like shit, they're, like, or they're not telling you to eat like shit, but they're telling you to eat like shit. And then, then you need to be on some form of medication because you ate like shit. Yeah. Because if they told you to eat well, 
then you probably wouldn't need half the shit that the pharmaceutical industry is like telling you that you need later in life. Like yeah. If you just ate well, you wouldn't have to take it. They're setting you up. They're setting yeah. you like, up for business. No, that's all. That's all it. I mean, all of all scientific research, somebody's paying for it. And so science, like, so there's this yeah, debate in the scientific community. Fuck. Well, there's this like debate in the scientific community, like where are the values, like what values should be allowed in science and whatnot. And scientists are usually like, you can you can't really blame the scientists necessarily because they're just they're just they're doing research, but I mean a lot of a lot of companies will come to them and say hey like for example the tobacco company will came to them and said hey like what research do you have that shows that cancer isn't caused by smoking and then they say well we have this like ridiculous stu- we have this study and it showed it, there doesn't seem to be a link and then they would just pluck those studies and then show you know showcase those. Yeah. So then you, you had the tobacco industry telling you smoking doesn't cause cancer. And then you had, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everybody telling you that it does cause cancer. So it's, it's, it's very like, there, there, there's a lot of manipulation there. Like there's a lot, there's reasons why there's not more, there's not like, there, there's reasons why the studies that are being, uh, you know, completed are being completed. It's because somebody wants th- those studies completed. It's usually not people that are interested in sci- like necessarily like science because they want more money. And the scientific yeah. findings are beneficial. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's it all about relation thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's. I mean, the thing is, I do find it hilarious where you know you have everyone you know uh, making a big thing about you know being vaccinated, not being vaccinated. But honestly, and and, and saying uh, making uh, connections that it leads to autism and all that. But honestly, I think you have to look at the food. I mean, the thing is, I mean, you, you look at the back of, of a box of cereal now or uh, anything, and, you know, like 90% of the ingredients aren't even natural. They're, you know, preservatives, there's things cooked up in the lab, and it's all, uh, and the reason that they do that is because it's cheaper than using the actual ingredients, and by doing that, it makes it a broader profit margin. So they don't care that, you know, most likely, you know, eating all this crap is going to lead to diabetes and other things. And actually, they want that because when you eat all this and you need uh, you get to a point where you need to uh, go to the same people that are connected with the pharmacy, are also the ones connected with the food. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, it's all one big, you know, happy family. You know, one scratches the other. And, and because of that, we, the uh, consumer, ends up paying for it. Literally, you know, the all the the think of the all American hot dog, how terrible that is. That's just extra lips and assholes and stuff hanging out. You know what I mean? That's like just whatever's sawdust and whatever's left over thrown together. It's pretty horrifying. Yeah, I believe it's called delicious. A lot of hot dogs. (laughs) They're like throw mustard on it. You can forget anything. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, as for myself, I have a general rule that there's more than ten ingredients. Or I cannot pronounce it. I don't eat it. Yeah, it's probably a good rule. That's, that's very that. basic, very basic. But uh, without going into the science of it, it's kind of like 20, 20 ingredients. Why? That's not mm-hmm. what what uh, beef is made out of, so to speak. Or it's true. But if if you're talking about still doing the experiments, I can remember in the fifties they used to have uh, they used to supposedly spray for mosquitoes. They would send a truck down the middle of the street and they would spray the whole area down, big cloud of smoke. 
and no one would even call a kids in. Mm. Yeah, everyone was, everybody was left outside to play. Now, right now, occasionally, the thing is what they talk about is, oh, no, we found a mosquito with West Nile or we found a mosquito with this. So what they do is they turn around and they spray half the town. Yeah. What's really in that spray and who who's determining why it needs to get down on half the town? Yeah. What's, what's in there? What's it doing to people? What's it ha- what has it been doing for all these years? Me- messing them up if and you you got the part if not something like the government throwing something else in there to do their own experiments yeah we'll do this town and then we'll see how the people go in, in the long term yeah i wonder how big the doses they were giving these people were because like when i did it i only did the one and if you do the one tab it's not supposed you know you do two tabs that's when you're supposed to see the weird stuff um <laughs> And like if you would if they were giving them heavy doses, which I assume they they're not kidding around, they're not playing around, you know, I mean they're probably giving them pretty decent doses. Um so like to to go into the alien abduction thing that I forget who brought that up a little while ago, but I could definitely like with the whole sense of the vibe that I caught when I did it, you know, if it that being more powerful where you really couldn't feel like you can't control your body or whatever, then yeah, that that could have an abduction vibe to it. Or like a sleep paralysis type vibe to it, you know what I mean? Um, and if they're, I mean, if they're known to have just, you know, like right now, the, many of the tests were conducted at universities, hospitals, or prisons in the United States and Canada. Most of these took place between 1953 and 64. Um, but it's not clear how many people were involved in the test. The agencies kept notoriously poor records and destroyed most MKUltra documents when the program was officially halted in 1973. So you definitely, when they're, when they're getting rid of files, you know, you know, research, you know, there's definitely bad things involved with this, you know, we're not, we're not that we're, I think we're kind of overlooking the people that probably died while, uh, you know, their, their, their brain melted out their ears because they got hit with like a gigantic dose of LSD. And just like, you got to figure the first people when they, the, the trial people, you know, the first, uh, not responders because they were finished. The, um, the first people they throw these doses in, like experimenting on how much to give them and stuff and zapping their brains and how far we can go with this. Like that's when people lose their minds. You know what I mean? Um, universities, that's kind of, that's, that, that, that's dark and interesting because they're kind of taking a shot at a, a, a blossoming mind learning, you know, maybe one of the, mo- one of the times when the mind is the most sucking in all that knowledge and growing, uh, the most, that's when they're going to like pop into it. But I guess that would be part of the research, you know what I mean? To see what happens hospitals or prisons you know prisons is something i think you would be heavily done because you know they don't uh you know they're their own they're now property you know what i mean and once you're property that's a bad place we're all kind of property but yeah that's even more of a worst case scenario um but hospitals yeah, hospitals would work too because they'd be trying to figure out maybe ways maybe you know i'm sure there was some positive attempts you know, as well as some negative brainwashing ones. But I'm sure they tried to, you know, see if it could fight off disease or something like that. But you also have mental hospitals is lumped in with your regular medical hospital where you just go get fixed up, which all types of horrifying things happen at mental hospitals. 
Um, and it goes into the, the shock treatment, you know, not with Mel and Maddie, but with the medical <laughs> field. And, uh, you know, they're frying up their brains. Like they're really, you know, it's just kind of seeing what, how much you can push up, um, up, up a human brain before it breaks, which is horrifying. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, uh, even now, uh, but definitely back then, I mean, uh, when you had people that had mental is- issues, mental illness, yeah. and and other things like that, they were prime candidates to be tested on and used as guinea pigs because, you know, first of all, a lot of people either didn't want to understand or didn't understand uh, what was going on with them. So, and most people uh, just, you know, just threw them away. And uh, because of that, you know, they were very vulnerable to be experimented on and, you know, get, you know, lobotomized and other nasty treatments that didn't accomplish anything. It did teach. It did teach people a lot of things about the human anatomy and, and all that. But the thing is that you also have to look at how many lives that were ruined because of that. I mean, it's I'm not trying to put a sugar coat on it, but I mean, if you go back to, I forget the, uh, the uh, uh, Nazi doctor's name, but the Mangla? guy who Mangla? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he did. He did awful experiments on people. Yeah. And after the war, you know, they, you know, uh, brought him over, gra- grabbed his his notes. I mean, the thing is that there were a lot of breakthroughs which happened, which were yeah. uh, totally. They all came to work for NASA. They all came to work crazy. for NASA. It was. It was. <laughs> well, they didn't want to work for the Nazi man no But then, of course, you know, you have those in power who were like, well, you know. Do we destroy the information that he got? Well, it's information that can help us. Or do we just, you know, pat him on the head and give him a cursy, uh, cursy NASA job? I said, pussy. yeah, there was a, there was a, uh, there was a crazy development in, um, like field medical technology during the Second World War because they were doing that type of stuff. Like they would hmm. see how. They essentially were like seeing how far the human body could be pushed without any sort of painkillers before you died. So like um, if you were sh- so but all in the name of like creating the ultimate war machine, essentially, right. like how do we how do we like ensure that we can save more soldiers on the battlefield? And they would use prisoners to experiment on to see how far the body, could, the human body could be pushed, mm-hmm. how much pain it could handle before they would. um essentially this die. But yeah, I mean the, the Nazi thing, it was like, there was no way you could have let them off for what they did. Yeah. But Japan was a different story, I guess, because the United States government felt kind of bad having, <laughs> you know, having bombed the, having, having dropped the, the nuclear bombs that they kind of, they kind of pushed a lot of stuff under the rug and like, didn't, they didn't really go on the same witch hunt that they went on in Nazi Germany to prosecute a lot of the human experimentation because arguably the Japanese were probably just about as bad, if not worse with the uh, Chinese population with, yeah. with experimentation. Yeah, because I, videos, I mean, not videos, there's pictures of them spraying like pesticides and chemicals on like kids and well, like, and then like and, and women and children and like, just seeing how the human body got like chemical warfare, like how they got affected. Like there's like videos of this and they just like, didn't like 
a lot of that stuff was just like, oh yeah, like whatever, like yeah. well, it, it was yeah. wasn't it wasn't as like well known at that time in the in the time frame too. Like Nazi Germany was very public, very exposed, whereas I think Japan was a little bit more like. Well, I I think I mean the thing is that uh, uh, the Japanese during the war were, you know, de- honestly, there's a lot of uh, if you go into that they were even worse than the Nazis in a lot of respects on what they did to the prisoners of war and and so forth. And like you said, they got uh, passed pretty much on the only reason is because we did drop the bombs on them. And by drop, dropping the bombs on them, we uh, we have the automatic guilt of cause, which you know is justified for what what happened was a horrendous thing. But I mean, the thing is that during this this war, uh, I mean, it unfortunately, I mean, the thing about war is that the worst in people come out. Like the ultimate worst in people, and and the thing is, no one has their hands clean in war. Yeah. And well, there's yeah. some there, there's some really like crazy stories about it if you look into it because the United States was shipping a lot of the POWs from Germany back to America, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stories of like German P- prisoners of war being blown away by how racially segregated the United States was. Like they were saying, "It's crazy here. Like we wouldn't have expected this." Like, it's very, like, hypocritical. And, like, but again, too, like, a lot of, you know, it's it's hard to, there's so much on it. Like, because it's, like, for many years, people said, well, we can't blame the Wehrmacht. Because that was the regular army. Like, we can't blame the Wehrmacht for the, the war crimes. It was, like, the SS. It was, you know, the, it was kind of these, like, these private, these, like, these uh, private armies, um, paramilitaries. But, like, at the same time, so it's, it's hard, like, it's, it's really weird. There's tons of research still coming up today, like, tons of studies being done today, even that, that are kind of like diving into the fact that, like, if you didn't know about it, you were fucking living under a rock, essentially. Like, if you didn't know about the Holocaust, you were like living under a rock. And, and I mean, there's also, if I'm not mistaken, having read this in the past, I'm pretty sure that there was, the U.S. knew about it long before. And they just didn't do it. They just didn't say anything about it. Like there was people not necessarily like morally, like it was weird. Like there was, I'm pretty sure that there was people that were pretty anti-Semitic within the U.S. government that were like, oh, like, yeah, like, well, that's probably not good. They were just kind of very hesitant to even pursue it as a serious thing for a while until they had to, until it was so public that it was like, you know, in their, it was really in the public's face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is that, I mean, if Pearl Harbor did not happen, I really doubt America would have joined into the World War. Well, I mean, the Germany declared war on the United States. I mean, they really couldn't not join the war. But, I mean, there, there was still not a huge, I mean, the huge outcry of, you know, the American people that, because even up to that point, a lot of people didn't want to go into war they, uh, and, and all of that. But when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, that was kind of the catalyst that really, you know, kind of got the public opinion in favor of going to war. I mean, really, that's, 
There's a really cool documentary called The Act of Killing for anybody out there uh, from uh, like in- Indonesian death squad type soldiers. Uh, it's about them like recapping with them, you know, decades later or whatever. And they make the people that actually like the people that were like just jet like slaughtering tons of people. They were they had them walk walk the camera crew through the areas where they did it, and they they explained the whole thing to them, and they're like ruthless about it. And then there, I remember there was this one moment where they actually take the people that did it, and they make them do this like procedure, this like this little like uh, like a social experiment where they made them pretend to be the people that they killed while people came in and like tied them up and rough them up like the way they did it. And they were getting emotional and stuff, but it was just like a weird, it was weird to see that process. You know what I mean? But I always thought that was a great doc on, uh, on I think the, the energy or, uh, like in any of those places, I think where stuff like that happens, like really crazy. Cause there's a place in Salzburg where there's like a mass grave for a bunch of Soviet prisoners. who were just like, like a bunch of them were just like, thrown into a mass grave like in Salzburg here. Yeah. You know, and so it's, yeah, there's like that weird energy, like that weird neg, you know, like it just never seems to really leave the place, you know, and it's, it's a very psychological thing, I think, cause you know, you know, all spiritual these too. Ray, what here, do you, like, Ray's a good man to chime in on that. That's definitely got some bad energy just because of the sadness. Like that's a, that's a, it can be mental, but it's also like a, a physical energy that I assume would be there from all that sadness. What's your take, Ray? Uh, I agree. You can't, ha- you can't have all that tragedy and all that sadness without having some sort of imprint left behind. Yeah. It's, it's a re- residual imprint of what happened there. Um, uh, actually, what I'm, what I'm curious about, just as a sidebar, in uh, October, I'm taking a vacation down in Gettysburg. I want to see what it feels like down there. Yeah, but if you take something on the scale of some of the things that happened uh, during the different wars, uh, whether it be the concentration camps, the large great uh, graves, the unmarked graves, that has to leave something. It's the energy expended, the yeah. negative energy there has to leave an imprint or has to leave something behind. And basically, we're electrical systems. We walk in into that system and that. The electrical synapses in our brain probably are affected by that energy left behind. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, it's crazy too because you don't really, I mean, as an American, I guess, like everybody knows somebody that served in the war, or like everybody at least, everybody at least knows someone that had a relative that served in the Second World War. But yeah. like the scale, the level of it, the level of the impact that you feel here, living here, like amongst families, is, is absurd. I mean, I remember like Marlena's father was showing me a plaque of people just from this little village of like less than a thousand people. And there was at least 40 or 50 like whole families on this list of just like whole lines of men from this, from families. They just were just killed during the war. And we're talking from like one little small village here in Austria. Yeah. Like it's insane. It says here it's like, I think, I think you got to think 8 million. German soldiers died or something, Austrians and Germans and everything like died during World War II and like only what, 400,000 Americans died. So the scale is absurd, is like crazy. Only. Yeah. only. No, I'm not saying only, but like relative. I know you live over there now. To that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm yeah. joking. And I mean, that was, a, I think of, I think that was across both fronts, like yeah. both the Western and the, 
in the the Pacific front. So I mean, rel- like if you're comparing the two, it's like crazy coming from America. It's like there, you know, there's families where no one knows anybody that's you know maybe somebody yeah. didn't serve or didn't have a grandfather that served or whatever. And then you come over here and it's like everyone like, oh yeah, my my grandfather served and his all of his brothers served and my you know blah blah like it's it's crazy <laughs> like our grandfather served know. beers. <laughs> You know, to go back to the university and the hospital prisons, there would be a good place for them to do MK Ultra, Jeff. Because universities, you know, the youth would be thinking, oh, they're all full of piss and vinegar saying we can change the world. And they'd be looking at it like, wow, we can really make a change. Your hospitals, you know, maybe they said, you know, maybe they were telling people that this would be the treatment that would fix their whatever their uh, their their issues were in the hospital. And the same thing with the prison, they would say maybe they'd get out earlier on good leave or something like that if they were to cooperate with tests. You know what I well, mean? Well, there was probably a lot of manipulation too, at least from sure. the university level, because at it's least now there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of bodies, a lot of like political kind of entities in place within the universities to kind of ensure that that type of stuff doesn't go like you know exactly what you're signing up for. You know, yeah. there's a lot of different bodies that have to assess whether or not the risks are high. So I feel like in this case, this is probably before most of these <laughs> these things existed. So they were probably just saying, hey, yeah, like we'll be just a super experimental drug. Like and you just come, we'll pay you like 20 bucks to, to for an hour of your time or eight hours of your time, however long. And yeah. you just come and like do this and. And there's probably a lot of people that were bad off too financially that like we probably really needed that money. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are usually the people that suffer the most from these types of things. Like the, right. the really like needy people that, that, that see that hundred dollars that they'll give you for the study is like, you know, more than it's more than it's not just drinking money. It's like right. they need that money to survive. So surviving money. Yeah. Yeah. It's craziness. Uh, we got, you know, the CIA began to experiment uh, under the direction of agency chemist and poison expert Sidney Gottlieb. He believed the agency could harness the drug's mind-altering properties for brainwashing or psychological torture. Uh, under auspices of Project MKUltra, the CIA began to fund studies at Columbia University, Stanford University, and other colleges on the effects of the drug. After a series of tests, the drug was deemed too unpredictable um, to use as counterintelligence. So, like, yeah, they, but they still continue to do it, which is nice. Now, drugs were all over the campuses to begin with, you know what I mean? So them actually coming in with dip, the LSD thing, you know, kind of makes you wonder. Uh, it almost doesn't sound as bad, you know, but whenever secretly, you know, it's being done for you know, secret investigative uh, reasonings that you're not included with could be an issue. Um, MKUltra also included experiments with MDMA, also known as ecstasy, mescaline, heroin, barbiturates, methamphetamines, and psilocybin, which was magic. Sounds like my party on Saturday night. (laughs) I know. Magic mushrooms. Barbiturates is what, a painkiller or something like that? I know that killed a lot of old older celebrities back in the day. They were barbage. Everybody who overdosed had barbiturates in their system. I think it was a pain pill of some sort. Um, 
Yeah, they they were pumping them up with a lot of things. You know, I didn't even know ecstasy was around back then, but hell yeah, I guess, right? Mescaline, that's another type of hallucinogenic, I believe. Heroin, of course. I think heroin, barbiturates, methamphetamine is all kind of like the same type of stuff to a degree. Mm. To a degree. So, yeah, they were doing some wild stuff on people. Uh, there's definitely, definitely some serious... Serious things being done, um, yeah. The effects you gotta you you gotta imagine the effects. You know, if it was multiple, because I'm sure there's certain people they tagged into when they it, it wasn't just we're gonna hit them with it once, watch them for that night and see what goes on. You know, I'm sure there's certain tests where they followed people for months, maybe even years. Dosing them nonstop. Well, wasn't Whitey Bulger involved in MK Ultra? Yeah, there was talk of him being involved <laughs> in it too, because he was CIA supposedly. He was no, it was in, when he was in prison. When he was, was like, when he was a kid or something. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, they they supposedly uh, experimented on him. I know someone that told me that they uh, almost met Whitey Bulger, and that person that told me that is somebody that also told me that they did acid every day for three summers. <laughs> Jeff Berry Jr. knows who I'm talking about, if you think about it. Um, but, you know, uh, we get operations. MK Ultra has so many different operations within it that uh, I figured the best way to kind of attack this was, you know, two at a time. So we went pretty heavy on this, so we're not going to go too heavy into the operations. But um, our first operation up, you know, we got Operation Climax, Midnight Climax, if you will. You know, very dirty sounding uh, as, as it is. This is well, very it's dirty. the best time to have a climax is at midnight. <clears throat> midnight Climax sounds like the new Woody Allen movie. <laughs> um, so, for, well, first up, we got a... Uh, well, before we get into this, the good old uh, midnight climax, let's go. Let's go with the big operation, big city. That'll be our first one. Uh, operation Big City. Among the assignments given to Doctor Sidney Gottlieb, a gentleman we just learned about, head of the secret project MK Ultra by CIA Chief Alan Dools, nineteen fifty-three, uh, was perfect method to producing large-scale aberrant mental states on an unsuspecting population. A substance was sought that the U.S. military could spray over a city when engaging an enemy and render both civilians and military opponents relatively helpless and unable to resist. The substance should be able to cause illogical thinking or produce shock and confusion over extended periods of time or produce physical disabilment uh, such as paralysis of the legs, or merely cause mental confusion. Um, agents assigned to the Operation Big City modified a 1953 Mercury, so its exhaust pipe extended 18 inches beyond its normal length. Sounds like Cheech and Chong's up in smoke a little bit here. <laughs> uh, a gas concocted to cause hallucinations was the then emitted through the automobile's exhaust as the agents drove the mercury for 80 miles around New York city, making note that the effects on uh, making notes of the effects on pedestrians In another test operatives equipped with nasal filters boarded the New York subway with battery powered emissions equipment fitted into suitcases to test the effect of LSD on people in confined areas. 
An ambitious project was conducted in 1957 when operatives, ugh, operatives released a biological effects gas of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. The intent of the experiment was to blanket the entire city with the gas and then monitor how powerfully uh, the disorientated properties of the substance would affect the population. This is dark stuff. The agents were uh, dismayed when a sudden wind arose and blew the gas away before it could cause any harm. Probably went somewhere else to cause some harm. In 1957, CIA Inspector General Lyman Kirkpatrick issued an internal memo that cautioned operatives to use uh, the utmost secrecy to protect the operation, not only from enemy intelligence, but also from the American public in general. If the American people should uh, learn that the CIA was engaging in activities that were unethical and illicit, such knowledge could become detrimental to the accomplishment of the agency's mission. So this one's more like mass quantities of the dosing, where they're just kind of blanket. You know, what do you guys take? You guys take this as like, you you think that's a real thing? Or what do you think? A little fabricated? It had a little elements of maybe not being truth within it. But I I would say that it's possible. You know, if they were, I don't think they'd use a car, but you never know. I almost feel like they'd blanket it with the plane or something like DDT. What'd you guys take? Seanathan over there. Yeah, uh, I don't. All I could like, I could just picture like being one of the agents going onto the train with the yeah. fucking suitcase. Like you are all about to get fucked up. <laughs> like I would not be able to have a straight face and do that. There's a little exhaust pipe in their suitcase at the end. Yeah, just <laughs> that, like everybody on the train. Like oh shit, see ya. <laughs> like, you just did that to like forty people and then take off. It's It's just like a cart full of smoke that people aren't supposed to realize. Yeah, it's crazy. And these people got to be getting dosed up too, dude. If they're going in there and they're they're breathing it in, you know, they could have an operation. I mean, they'd be if you see somebody in a gas mask holding a fucking smoking suitcase, you're gonna you're gonna question something. (laughs) What the fuck? Exactly. But it's. uh, I mean, it makes sense that they would do it. But uh, it's a little something. This was a, had a little some elements that seemed a little far fetched. I think we agree. What do What do the rest of you guys think about that one? Well, I think it's only far fetched if you really believe the governments always have your best interest in, at heart. Well, that's a far fetched idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have been a lot of governments yeah. over time. The stuff that they've done to people, not just uh, Nazi Germany or Japan in World War Two, but others. That the stuff that they've pulled. There's nothing to say that the U.S. government and certain elements in it wouldn't do it to the people here. To me, it's yeah, totally yeah. it's totally believable, even on that scale. Yeah, but you, you know about Operation Paperclip, right? Mm-hmm. You know what that is? That's a big yeah. one, yeah. Operation Paperclip. It was like right after the war when they were doing, when they were... Um, you know, they were the, they had the Nuremberg trials and they were arresting a lot of people that like, so essentially like Operation Paperclip was like, they were prosecuting the people that, that they were only, they were prosecuting a lot of the high like ranking Nazi officers that didn't have, that they couldn't use for their own purposes. So like they took a lot of behind the scenes, there was a lot of like recruiting of very, very like notoriously 
bad people yeah. to come and work for the United States government. And a lot of those people actually ended up working on MKUltra. I believe that. So a lot of like the, and I don't even think this is like a conspiracy. This is like legitimately it's true. Reality. Like it's the same thing like, with like NASA with all the, with Nazis going to work for NASA. Yeah, because it was the same thing. Like they, 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 they wanted to know, oh, like about the V2 rockets and they wanted to know about their, you know, the human experimentation and like, it's a very, it's a very, very, uh, sketchy practice. So that in of itself is a, is an indication that the United States government really like, that no government was clean. Like every, every they, they were all very like, it's weird. I don't know. It's like, you're, I don't know. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of like bad shit going on. I've never, and I, I've never thought that, uh, you hear, you, know, you think about like the U.S. during that time kind of being notoriously known as like this, this Lord and Savior kind of thing. Like, oh, they can do no harm. Like they're here to liberate <laughs> us, blah, blah, blah. We have but, great like, PR. America's yeah, have great yeah, PR. But then yeah. you have things like Operation Paperclip and it like makes you think about it. It's like, why would we, why would we then turn around and take all of these like war criminals to come and work on major United, like U.S. projects? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I mean, the U.S. has always been opta, always been the, um, the ones that, uh, like to grab what, whatever they can, uh, for their own benefit. And uh, from what I've seen throughout the years, that that uh, morality does not um, factor in uh, into the uh, rationalization of our government or uh, most any other government that I've seen when it comes to if it can benefit uh, those in power. I mean, the thing is that you have these. Uh, horrendous uh, war criminals that get a free pass simply because they can offer those in power in our country more. So, so they you know throw, so they make a big sham going after those that aren't as bad. They probably were bad, but I mean, like the real bad ones. They're like, hey, come over here, work for us. We'll uh, give you guys a comfy place to stay out. Just give yeah. us all your info. Right. Well, I'll give it. I got. I got some paperclip stuff here for you guys. Real quick. Immediately after Nazi Germany was defeated in World War II, as many as uh, sixteen hundred Nazi scientists and their dependents were smuggled into the United States by Operation Paperclip. Many claims were made about Nazi secret weapons during World War II, including nuclear power and flying saucer-type aircrafts. Regardless of the credence one puts in the claims that the Vril, V-R-I-L, society had a uh, saucer-shaped anti-gravity craft by 1934. There was no question among the Allies that prior to the outbreak of the war, Nazi technology had been superior to theirs. If the glowing Foo Fighters, if you will, uh, named after the Dave Grohl band, um, they, if they harried Allied airmen were not the products of Nazi technology, the V-2 rockets, prototypes of jet airplanes, and the discovery of particle-slash-laser-beam weaponry uh, certainly were the U.S. War Department de- decreed that the United States should uh, scoop up as many German scientists as specimens of their work as possible. So... They're definitely, you know, they want to grab him up. Major General Hugh Nur, Deputy Commanding General for Administration of the U.S. Strategic Forces in Europe, 
surveyed the German scientific and industrial establishment and acknowledged that America was alarmingly backward in many areas of research. He agreed with the suggestion that the U.S. occupation force should seize both the apparatus and the brains that created it and put them back to work as soon as possible, or the United States would remain several years behind. While all the responsible thinkers in the occupation forces agreed that the German scientists and their families should be taken to U.S. shores as soon as possible, it had been made a law that no former member of the Nazi party could immigrate to America. Even in cursory examination of the 1600 scientists and their dependents who had been assembled for immediate relocation in the United States yielded the predictable finding that at least 1,200 of them had been members of the Nazi party. Informed of this bit of intelligence, President Harry S. Truman decided that the national interest of America was of primary importance and pronounced that only those who had been more than uh, nominally Nazis uh, or had actively supported their military efforts would be denied entrance to the United States. The operation still had to be conducted in an utmost secrecy. Secrecy. The war uh, had been costly and bitter, and many Americans' lives were lost. The American public would not respond favorably to the knowledge that many of the scientists being given a free ride to the United States had worked in laboratories and factories that were located in Nazi slave labor and death camps. The operation was conducted by the Joint Intelligence Objectives Agency that the scientists and their family members who were selected to be taken to the United States had paperclip paper clips binding their scientific papers to the standard immigrant forms, hence the name Operation Paperclip. So that's fine. I never knew where the paperclip came from, but that paperclip on their papers was a sign that they were to be let in. That's, that's kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy, you know what I mean? But it's kind of, it's interesting that it came from there. Operation Paperclip was not made public until 1973 after the first astronauts had set foot on the moon when the part, they brought in something big to give the American people before they dropped the, the, the fucking bomb on them of the news. Um, when the participation of such individuals as Werner von Braun, who von Braun, wasn't that Hitler's girl's last name? Was it she a Braun? Eva Braun. Eva, Eva, Eva Braun. Braun. Yeah, Eva Braun. Yeah, many of the, his German colleagues were acknowledged as having been uh, integral to the success of the U.S. space program. Von Braun's mentor, Hermann Oberth, widely recognized as the father of modern rocketry, also entered the United States under Operation Paperclip, as did Dr. Hubertus Struggled. Uh, and the father of space medicine, which is interesting. In, 19, in a 1977, the Aeromedical Library at the USAF School of Aerospace Medicine was named after Struggled. In 1984, Arthur Rudolph, who had been awarded NASA's Distinguished Service Award in 1969, left the United States rather than face charges for Nazi war crimes. Operation Paperclip also allowed entrance to the United States to Reinhard Gellin, Nazi intelligence mastermind who helped Alan Dulles uh, restructure the Office of Strategic Service into the Central Intelligence Agency, known as the CIA. Klaus Barbie, the butcher of lion, Otto von Bolschweg, infamous for Holocaust abuses, uh, the SS Colonel Otto Servesky. So, yeah, there's some insanity going down in that world. Um, super. Super ugly, as the song goes, you know what I mean? 
but go, it's, it's, it's all that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. If, if you're good at what you do, they'll pay, they want you, you know what I mean? It's all you take a look at these athletes, you know what I mean? That they're good at sports, but they like to like, you know, punch cheerleaders in the face and beat them to death and elevators and stuff. But they kind of, they don't, they don't make that a big deal because they make them, they, they sell jerseys and football tickets. It's a crazy deal. It's all now, about the Benjamins. It's all about the Bennies, baby. All about the Bennies. Um, now, Operation Midnight Climax will get a little fun. We'll get into some, some light topics with some sexual activity here. Oh, what, about my uh, sex life now? Usually <laughs> I'm making these jokes. You're making them tonight. I like it. <laughs> um, you know, the CIA, Midnight Operation Midnight Climax, the CIA's experiments with the mind control known as MKUltra uh, begun in the orders of CIA. Um, you know, many of the early tests focused on drugs that might become truth serums for interrogations of prisoners, and they were performed with volunteers, very often military personnel. I'm sure it started that way, you know. Government agents and CIA employees. When experiments with LSD seemed productive, Dr. Gutlieb exercised uh, the carte blanche authority given to him by Dulles and began to experiment with the powerful hallucinogens' effects on unsuspecting individuals. Curiosity about the use of the drug as an aid in sexual entrapment and convert operations led to the development of Operation Midnight Climax. Um, also known uh, officially as MKUltra's Subproject 3. At first, CIA agents would infiltrate large outdoor gatherings, such as the Gathering of the Juggalos, um, like ball games and concerts in the park, and um, clans distantly spray private citizens with LSD in containers labeled as insect repellent. Uh, later, agents would infiltrate private cocktail parties and spray the unsuspecting guests with LSD in containers marked as deodorant or perfume. Reminds me of the Iceman a little bit. He'd kill people with cyanide by spraying them, <laughs> in, the spraying them in the face, acting, pretending to sneeze and killing them off. With the express mission of learning more about sexual behavior under LSD. Operation Midnight Climax set up a number of uh, apartments to be used for sexual encounters. Prostitutes in the employee of the agency um, would solicit unsuspecting men and slip LSD into their drinks before returning with them to the apartments and having sex. Two-way mirrors allowed the researchers to observe uh, the responses and reactions of the men while under the influence of, drug, of the drug. After a period of uh, interpreting the one-on-one -on -one drug reactions of the prostitutes' clients, Midnight Climax established several brothels in Greenwich Village in San Francisco in order to study the drug-induced sexual behavior of a larger cross-section of men. Two-way mirrors once again permitted the CIA research to film the prostitutes and their LSD-dose clients for later interpretation. In 1972, Richard Helms, the CIA director at that time, ordered the records of MKUltra and all its various subprojects destroyed. Nevertheless, in 1975, a Senate investigating committee found enough information about Operation Midnight Climax to observe not only that it was unconstitutional to conduct drug experiments uh, on subjects without their knowledge or consent, but there had been no medical pre-screening of any kind. The Senate committee was also shocked to discover that most of the investigators behind those two-way mirrors had no medical credentials, nor <laughs> they uh, qualified scientific observers. 
In fact, there were no medical personnel present to respond to any, <laughs> any kind of negative reaction that the subject They might were just have. pervy old men. They were getting <laughs> their rocks off. They were like, no, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's exactly Woo! what it sounds like it turned into. Like, he just got yeah. drunk, drunk with power and was just a pervert. You know hey, I mean? hey, man, the, the, you know what? Instead of, like, trying to actually do something that benefits mankind... How about we go to the brothel and jerk off behind the two-way mirror? I mean, come on. So they, uh, not only, none of them were professionals, there was nobody there to, like, if any, if somebody had a reaction to the drug and was dying or something, there's, there, was, there wasn't even anybody there to, like, help the situation. Uh, the experiments have been conducted on unaware private citizens without concern for any possible embarrassment that might arise from the manner of which they were solicited. Uh, for the experiment, for any possible after effects that might have resulted in the possible hallucinations or situations wherein the subject may have injured or endangered himself or others. So they didn't want to embarrass the people. That was oh, their yeah, excuse. yeah, yeah. That's, 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 uh, that's, that's the issue. They didn't want to embarrass anyone. Uh, how about embarrass the, the, you know, the uh, many, you know, cigar chomping, you know, CIA agents with one hand of cigar on one hand, on the other cigar, if you know what I mean. There's enough Alex Hawks out there to find the fuck <laughs> prostitutes on acid. You know what I mean? It's one of those deals. He, you know, he signed up. Hawkman Myron throws some funds into that operation. Operation Hawkman. Hey, <laughs> I mean, heck, it sounds like a party. It doesn't sound like anything I was accomplished <laughs> other than some uh, a voyeurism. <clears throat> you out of control. Let's Actually, I think... Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that just shows how the government loves to waste money. Yeah. All they have to do is bug a few college dorms and off-campus houses and uh, bug them or observe them, and they would have seen all they wanted of, of all that sex on different sorts of drugs. They didn't, have to, they didn't have to set up their own places. Right. Yeah, but they wanted to be extremely seedy and be behind the two-way mirror. It just adds like a, a certain type of authentic. Uh, One side of that mirror was very dirty. We'll oh, oh, I and it was. wasn't the prostitution side. Oh. The um, I definitely the, feel that's the vibe. Yeah, you want, you want the job of cleaning the other side of that mirror? A little squeegee, <laughs> the squeegee effect. <laughs> I can see it. Horrifying. Some horrifying shit. You know what I mean? Um, what do you guys think of all this lost files? You think that that's definitely the death stuff or you th- what do you think that was more of them that, or, you know, maybe they made a breakthrough and they don't want people to know about it. Nah, I mean, honestly, the thing is all the lost files. I mean, it, the way I see it is probably the fact that they didn't have any kind of breakthrough whatsoever. So it's easier to say instead of like, Oh yeah, we did all this. We, you know, uh, hung out in these brothels and all that. Spent all of the government's money. Uh, but hey, you know what? Um, you know, the the proof that we found something really important. Well, the dog ate my homework. So unfortunately, I can't show you the breakthrough that we had. I mean, I mean, it's it's the thing is they, that they they the, say yeah. Yeah, they, they, I mean, any kind of stuff that they, you know, supposedly lost and all that probably just showed that it was just, you know, a, a waste of taxpayer, uh, uh, people's money. You guys ever hear that theory that uh, a, g- a gentleman is most likely to tell the truth immediately after an orgasm? Anybody ever heard that before? Oh, yeah. 
So, like, I wonder if that take, taking that theory, adding that to the acid thing, I almost feel like that's what they were going for with the sex thing. Well, I mean, honestly, if uh, the and way I see it, yeah. <laughs> the way the way I see it is that if they wanted to find a foolproof uh, plan for a truth serum, okay, you know, uh, for me, bring in Selma Hayek. I'll tell her whatever she wants to know. From from dusk till dawn. <laughs> oh, even now, I mean, heck, she's still hot. Oh yeah, for sure, she's yeah. a vampire. That's why hot. Well, let's well, let's talk about some more death. We got the death of Frank Olson. All right. Now, people listening might go, we haven't touched on Frank Olson yet. Why are you telling me about his death when we don't know about his life? Is he a cousin of Jimmy Olson? No, but he did paint. <laughs> he did paint his face. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, come on now. Um, Frank Olson was a scientist who worked for the CIA at a 1953 CIA retreat. You know, Olson drank a cocktail that had been secretly spiked with LSD. A few days later on, uh, that sounds like a fucking prank, which is funny. Uh, a few days later on November 28th, 1953, Olson tumbled to his death from the window of a New York City hotel room uh, with an alleged, as an alleged suicide. Now, that don't sound fun. Um, you think those things are, uh, I mean, I would assume they would have to be related. Uh, I don't know if it was, but I will say this. I don't know if it was the actual drug or maybe the betrayal that he felt that the people that he worked with it, were friends with would do that to him behind his back. What do you guys think? Uh, it could be, it could be uh, a combination of things. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I mean, the thing is that when you're on those kind of drugs. Which you've I never mean, been on. Which you've never been on. Well, yeah, I've never <laughs> been on. But I mean, the thing is that, and yeah. being on on those drugs, uh, different people are affected differently with different drugs. I mean, someone who takes, you know, one drug might be uh, or might react differently than someone else, and someone might react like on a delayed response. Well, that's what I the mean, studies are for. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I agree with you completely, but I don't. What, what do what do the rest of you guys think about this? Like, I don't think. Like a typical drug experience when you come down from it, I don't think that would make you suicidal. Now, maybe if they put, if they wanted him to be, do, do that, then they could maybe do something that would, you know, extra. But I don't think the actual coming down from the drug itself would do it. But I do think yeah. that, you know, I do feel that maybe there's a weird, you know, I think there would be a weird sense of betrayal where, these people do this to you, and right there they're telling you that you're not the equal you thought you were with these people. You know what I mean? They're, they're now using you as these guinea pigs that you guys used to sit around laughing at. Look at these people acting all dumb when we fucking dope them up. Now you're the fucking dude being doped up, and they're laughing at you. So I think that there might even be an element of that that probably would have played a bigger part. What do you guys think? Um, well, I think that, it, to me, what you're doing is looking at a perfect setup. Yeah, you give him the LSD. People see him going crazy for for a day, maybe a day and a half. And then what happens is the next day out, they're not surprised when he jumped out a window because maybe he got in. He couldn't live with what he was doing. He had gotten in deep, or they couldn't control him anymore. So turn him into someone crazy by giving him the LSD. Look at look at his uh, 
erratic behavior for the last day or so. No wonder he killed himself. Right. And you, you, you get rid of somebody who's a problem, a problem child. I'm digging that. Um, you know, uh, the family of Frank Olson decided to have a second autopsy performed in 1994, which that sounds like uh, 19 from 53 to 94. Seems like I don't think there'll be much left to fucking do an autopsy on. But all right. Um, especially from jumping out of a window. All right. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they had, so they had, the, the, uh, they said the forensic team found that injuries on the body that had likely occurred before the fall. Um, findings uh, sparked conspiracy theories that Olson might have been assassinated by the CIA. That's a long, 1953 to 94. Yeah, I could see, I could see it happening. Like, if he, um, I don't know, maybe they like fucked to them about like fucked to them and he was really upset and pissed off that they did it. Right. And then he said, like, all right, well, like, I'm going to fucking say something about it. Then, like, I'm going to out you guys like right. it's going to be my getting back at you. That's probably and I don't know, like it could have just been said to a friend or like is a joke even like and but they don't probably fuck around with you like that. Like if you say something and like they, they think there's even an inkling of truth to you potentially getting upset and like outing somebody or making a big scene, they probably just nip it in the butt before it happens. Like, you know, before. Oh, I agree. That's what I agree. 110%. That's what I meant. Like in the be in the beginning, when I said that thing about like how they accidentally stumbled into these files, like I think everything's accidentally stumbled into cliff. They know you're gunning to find out the truth. They're gunning for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, after a prolonged legal proceedings, Olson's family was awarded a settlement of uh, $750,000 and received a personal apology from President Gerald Ford uh, and then CIA Director William Colby. Yeah, so, like, there was, like, obviously some... The government doesn't admit that they fucked up there. Dude, often. the president doesn't apologize for anything. <laughs> anything. Yeah. So the fact that that happened was... An, it's like he left something for the family to, to release. You know what I mean? It was, like, one of those things. Um. Very triada. But then again, is the apology just, you know, we apologize for, your, you know, your, your loss. You know, sorry for your well, loss. We apologize for knowingly dropping fucking acid in his drink. I think that's what it is. It was like, yeah, you know, they gave him the, that the uh, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Starts off that way. To whom, to whom it may concern. Um, yeah. It's a weird, there had to have been some type of proof behind this for them to... I you think know. it's very likely, though, that, like, you know, there was they, – they just felt like maybe they couldn't trust them anymore, and there was probably some rough play going on. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that's probably very likely. I think it's – I think things like that probably happened very, very frequently back in the day. Yeah. You know, if the government wanted to get rid of you, they could probably do it very, very, you know, discreetly back then. I think it's probably getting a bit harder now. Yeah, I mean, I mean look can, at Snowden. Look at Snowden, for instance. If if there was if 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 Snowden if Snowden did what he did, fucking forty years ago, there's no way that that guy would have been. Well, Snowden's been only he's only being left alive so they can destroy his credibility in the future and then make everything in the past look like it was all a lie. I think that's why they're letting him be alive because then they can try and flip it on him later. If they killed him off now, it'd be proven right. But if they give him time and 
you know, things come out where he's not respectable. You know, you don't respect his yeah. opinion, then he's easy to kind of. Well, it's it's weird. I like the U. Like at least like I think the U.S. is like so, if they're doing it, they're really good. They're really subtle about it. But yeah. like look at like look at Russia for instance. Like Russia does that shit, and everybody knows that they did it, and then they just don't give a fuck, and they'll do it again. Like there's a guy, there's a politician right now who's like opposing Putin. I don't know if you hear. Do you hear about him a lot in the news? Alexei Navalny. He's a very like big deal here um, in Europe, but you don't really hear a lot about him in in in, uh, in in the U.S. But he has a lot of he's he comes out and like all the time he's like goes to war with Putin. Like he has released video footage of Putin spending millions and millions of taxpayer money on his on the own public mansion. Yeah, he's like a private mansion. He's exposed like the corruption networks in Russia, and they admitted. Navani is a psychopath. This guy called a KGB agent and posed as a KGB agent and got the guy to admit that he laced his underwear with poison. Because <laughs> he called and said, hey, like, this is, we're doing a COVID-19 protocol. The guy was sick with COVID. And he said, like, he had a conversation with him, got him to admit that they had, that, the, that, that Putin had ordered him to be poisoned and, like, he was being poisoned. And because he, they took him to a hospital in Germany. And they had him in Germany. And then the guy said, fuck it. I'm going back to Russia, even though they tried to kill me. And they arrested him right away. He's in prison right now. He looks like super sick every time you see him. They're they're probably, yeah, they're probably like slowly killing him. When when they, they, I think nowadays is more of a time where they don't, they're they're more wicked. Back in the day, they'd whack you out. Nowadays, they, they put something to eat your brain and they make you feel pain, but not die. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they tried. They like. Well, they were gonna. He was gonna die. Like he was supposed to die. They like Y'all fucked up. Die. They fucked up. Yeah. No. I hear you. But that's the thing now. Like it's just there's more. There's more media coverage. Just you can't because now it's like if you're gonna do it, you can't. It's not just usually one person. It's like you gotta kill. It gets to a point where it's too big. To, it's it's terrible, too big of a problem man. to deal with. Yeah. It's tricky stuff. It is, and they would kill. You. I do think that like. um I am a strong believer in like that, you know, that's the, I'm big on the phone thing. There's this phone thing that I, that I, that I subscribe to heavy right now that if they don't want you around, like I'm big on vibrations and these low frequency sounds that we don't even know are there. And I do think that they could call you up. You could pick up your phone and it could do like a, like some weird beep signal thing that might not mean anything to anybody. But, like, going into your brain, like, fucks up your brain and, like... You just have an aneurysm. You could have an aneurysm. You have a heart <laughs> attack. Or you have something that, like, can, they can easily cover up and be like, dude ate too much bacon. What can I say? You know what I mean? Because you can't... It's the same thing with, like, title... Like, the, uh, the future of wars, I think, is, like, manipulating whether to, you know, make a tidal wave knock out a whole, you know, coastline instead of a bomb. And then you don't get act. You don't have to take blame for it. You can go, oh, you know problem solved but i wasn't involved i was gonna say like the things that scared me the most it's not necessarily like these conspiracy theories or anything like that yeah it's the shit that the government knows about and everyone else knows about but no one fucking does anything to change like it is climate change and stuff like that like that's the stuff that freaks me out it's like the fact that we know like we have so much proof at this point that climate change is legitimately real and it's proved and it's 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 caused by you know human beings what we do but yeah. like no one fucking gives a shit 
Like, I mean, or like the people, well, they, or they people care, give they, a shit, but you can't, but it's like not, a, not enough people give a shit. They don't care. They care, but they don't care enough to stop and inconvenience themselves. Yeah. That's what it it's, is. Well, it's, it's the ethical question. It's the ethical question of like, what do I owe people that aren't alive yet? Like future generations. It takes an honorable person to even ask them that. So like, I don't think people ask that question. Yeah. Anymore. Like, do I owe future generations like anything? And if you can, you know, there's a, there's actually a book on it about like, what, what do we like? It's a hypothetical like world where a hundred years from now, uh, there's a bunch of students in a, in like a college talking about us and how like selfish we were and how like fucking, how we just ruin the world. And like, cause it's very, very possible. It's the very, youth, it's very possible that every, like the youth will do that to you every time. There's a lot of there's a lot of science saying that by 2100 though, yeah. the world will be most of the like there's going to be very very few places that are going to be like habitable by people. But look, yeah. but like think about it now like that's the next big crisis is like all these migrations because there's already parts of the world that are like people are being displaced because of climate change. Right. And so like it's not just war it's not just like the conflicts in the Middle East it's like what what happens when you know, uh, half, you know, 20% of the world is no longer, you can't fucking live there anymore. Like governments are going to collapse because they can't handle it. It's a nice thought. I, it's weird. It's more of a control thing. I think it's like, uh, they're allowing it to happen. So when everybody's in chaos, they're yeah. more, then you'll be able to, you know, if you don't listen, you, you can get killed off. Which you know, is, I mean, it's theory. like a, yeah. yeah, there's a weird theory about the the COVID thing. You know what I mean? With the with the with um with the the vaccine situation. You know, and give or take, I don't care what anybody's opinion, uh, you guys' opinion, but for the most part, like you know, I don't care what people want to do. They can do whatever they want to do. But it's like you know this the theories of like you know everybody's getting the vaccine now, and COVID they, they theorize that COVID wasn't the real issue that they're taking this vaccine, and what it is is like they're figuring out who does what they're told to do with this vaccine. So the people that aren't taking it are the people that they don't want around anyways. So when you drop this, this vaccine on people and they take it, okay, they, then now they're vaccine. So then after that, then you drop the real problem. You know what I mean? And that wipes out everybody that didn't want to listen to the government that, that wipes out everybody that, you know, that, that put their hand up and said, wait a second. I actually have an opinion on this. I'm not just going to go with the flow. You know what I mean? Um, so I think th- th- that's like a weird theory too, that that could happen. Um, and I yeah. almost, you know, when you think about it, it ain't that crazy to wrap your head around something like that being a reality. What's your take on something like that? Gentlemen. Jonathan. We'll ask Jonathan first. Maybe we'll ask. I Jonathan. don't, I, I don't, you just saying that is like got me second guessing everything. Like I might go get vaccinated, like right now. Yeah, that's what I, that's what <laughs> like, I was saying. Son of a bitch. Like a weird. Why why do you have to say that to me? It's yeah. a weird vibe because it's because it could be reality. That's why I said it. It's horrifying for sure. But like it could be something like that. If, if ten years that came out as reality after a bunch of people died, I would. It's mind funny that you funny. mentioned the ten years thing. We had the uh, the conversation of uh, what is it, Nostradamus's uh, predictions yeah. about the. Uh, the lung thing and then coming back in 10 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, and it was a religious, there was some religious lady that wrote a book too talking about it. And it was like, 
uh, I forget the name, but it was uh, an end, some type of end times book. I forget the name of the book and the author right now, but she said that in 2019, we were going to, uh, uh, a pandemic was going to come and it was going to be a, a, a lung infection, respiratory thing that was going to come really quick. And then it was going to leave really quick, but it was going to come back in 10 years in a way bigger way. That yeah. was, that was going to be the real issue. And the fact that she, you know, I guess you could say every from t- every five years we're dealing with something, probably even sooner now, but in the past, it was every three to five years you were dealing with some type of pandemic that was, you know, a sickness, a swine flu or whatever that was going around, SARS, you know, killing people off. So it's like to, to predict that something like, yeah, within the next 10 years, we're probably going to have something that's a lot worse than this. Yeah, know? but they know they know that it already exists. The big that right. they, they've already said that the, the the biggest threat to humanity is bird is 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 this strain of bird flu, and it's it's already it's already out. They said if we keep eating meat at the rate that we're eating meat, if we keep farming meat the way that we're farming meat, yeah, the likelihood of it of it, of humans being coming in contact with it is heavily increased, and its death rate is like I think sixty something percent. They have no like they wouldn't know how to. Yeah, so like, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know about the whole like all the COVID conspiracies because people are really like. I think like, I think there's a lot of social engineering going on here. Of course, the way that people view it, like you look at Facebook, is very tailored. Facebook's a weird platform because, in theory, Facebook's actually a pretty like liberal idea. Yeah. But there's a lot of like conservatism. In, in Facebook and a lot of like, if you happen to be within that camp, you're fed very conservative media, very, very biased conservative media. And if you happen to be in like that far left kind of, you know, far left camp, you're fed very, very, very far left absurd media. So it's like, there's not a lot of reason. There's not a lot of reasonable uh, stuff being shared on Facebook. Like it, it's very weird. Like if you're like a, I happen to be, I'm like in that like Facebook, consider Facebook like a news media company. Well, I just think, I just think like ever, I think that the way in which these, uh, you know, like analytic platforms are developed, yeah. they're, they're actually like very, very, they're not doing, they're not working in, in favor for the companies that, that they're, that are, that they're serving. So like, for example, like what's going to lead to like Facebook's destruction is the fact that you have these these um, like analytical tools that that study patterns and feed people only one-sided data so therefore like you have now this kind of break this huge rift and it's half their users are leaving to go to more conservative platforms and so you're seeing it's not working in their favor because they have the they're not they're not giving you like a well they're not giving you like a well uh rounded set of like you know they're not feeding you different opinions necessarily they're just kind of feeding the same the shit you want to hear all the fucking time alex like looks like he just got fucking dosed with something something's in the process of taking him out but but yeah i i uh i didn't i haven't i i I forget exactly what the disease is yeah but we we actually talked about this and we had a class uh this guy from uh, I think you know, some some really good college in London. In London, he um, was talking of <laughs> he was talking about uh, the pandemic and, and yeah. what we've learned from people, the, their behaviors in the pandemic, and how governments have responded. 
all these types of things. And he says it like essentially if, if what this has shown that if a real disease that actually posed a very, very date, like crazy threat were to come that it probably would, you know, a lot of people would be very like those that are very anti like science anti vaccine right now would be like fucked like hard. Yeah. I think like, pretty much like they would ultimately just like have fucking zero chance. I think we're, you know, this is, we're in the time of population control and I do, I'm a believer in that, that they do want to kind of minimize the population a little bit because reality, like there are too many people here. Um, and they're just continuing to go. Alex Hawk won't be here in a couple moments, but <laughs> more people can move into the picture, but you know, yeah, it's a weird vibe. The whole thing's kind of really weird. Um, and yeah, like, you know, you know, it is. I think, I think, you know, I put my brain to work and I started thinking about that thing about the theory. And I was like, you know, this is like, uh, could be an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, I do want to pop into one more thing. This is for Alexander Hawk. This, uh -oh. is, this okay. is specifically for Alexander Hawk. And this okay, is MKO. everyone turn off their, their, their Spotify. <laughs> this was uh, author Ken Kesey. Um, uh, yes. Yes, yes, author Ken Kesey. He, he, he and I go way back. Yes, yes, yes. He yes. and I go way joking back. you know who I'm talking about? Are you joking? No, I'm seriously. All right, good man. All right, Ken Kesey, author of the 1962 novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which was adapted into one of Alexander Hogg's favorite films of all time, um, starring the great Jack Nicholson. Uh, a lot of other people that Hawk would love the name right now, but he's not going to, um, <laughs> you know, he, vo he volunteered for MK ultra experiments with LSD while he was a, a college student at Stanford university. Kesey later went on to uh, promote the drug hosting LSD fueled parties that he called acid tests. Um, <laughs> huh? I, I, yeah. I, I, when I was uh, reading the book, uh, did some research. He actually was part of the group of the Merry Pranksters. That, yeah. that honestly, they'd go to parties and, and drop acid in, in punch bowls and see what happens. Now, I'm uh, name for a whether, whether he was doing this under uh, orders from above or whether it was something that he decided to do because uh, he was bored on Saturday night. That's That's a good question. I would I would want to delve into. Yeah, acid tests combined uh, drug use with musical performances by bands including the Grateful Dead and psychedelic effects such as fluorescent paint and black lights. These oh, parties yeah. influenced the early development of hippie culture and kickstarted the 1960s psychedelic drug scene. You know, we had Charlie Manson was heavy in, in influence in that. Um, other notable people who reportedly volunteered for CIA-backed experiments with LSD include Robert Hunter, um, the Grateful Dead lyricist, Ted Kaczynski, better known as the Unabomber, um, who, 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 Kaczynski, like Charlie, uh, is a very weird deal where half of their stuff's madman babble and the other half of it, like, sadly makes sense. Um, Better, you know, and James Joseph Whitey Bulger, like we brought up before, the notorious Boston mobster, um, cross dressed as well. That was one of his things. Ooh, just like Alex Hawk, yeah. Uh, as long as he wore the uh, pink pumps, 
yeah, he, he got the pig pumps too. Church committee. Church committee is our last little subject in, the, in this, and we're wrapping it up. In 1974, New York Times journalist Seymour Hirsch published a story about how the CIA had conducted non-consensual drug experiments in illegal spying operations on U.S. citizens. His report started uh, the lengthy process of bringing long suppressed details about MK Ultra to light. So this, so Seymour Hirsch, I wonder if he ever got, got killed off. The following year, President Ford, in the wake of the Watergate scandal and amid growing distrust of the U.S. government, set up the United States President's Commission on the CIA activities within the United States to investigate illegal CIA activities. And I'm sure they did not like that at all, including Project MK Ultra and other experiments on unsuspecting citizens. The commission was led by Vice President Nelson Rockefeller, and the Rockefeller, they get in their own little bad news, and it's commonly referred to as the Rockefeller Commission. The church committee helmed by Idaho Democratic Senator Frank Church uh, was a larger investigation into the abuse of the CIA, FBI, and other U.S. intelligence agencies during and after the resignation of President Richard M. Milhouse Nixon. Um, the church committee delved into plots in, to assassinate foreign leaders, including Cuban dictator Fidel Castro, uh, the Congolese independence leader Patrice Lumamba. It also uncovered thousands of documents related to MK Ultra. Yeah, I remember that though. Those uh, the the other files, like the trying the assassination attempts, that was a big deal when those got leaked out. Um, these revelations resulted in Ford's 1976 executive order on intelligence activities that prohibited experimentation with drugs on human subjects, except with the informed consent in writing and witnessed by a, a disinterested party of each such human subject. So they're still allowed to do these things. They just have to get your permission first. Yeah, and of course, the real question I have is where they say, um, you know, your informed consent. The question I have is, how informed are the people that oh. end up consenting? Informed is usually when you're being told something, not not being asked. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so it's probably they probably did it, and then they just told them after the fact this time. Yeah, so, so, so you them. take this drug, and it's going to fuck you up. But you know what? It'll look Great on my, you know, wall when I'm uh, done. Yeah, you know, it, it defeats the purpose. You talking about the acid sheet? Yeah, good man. Um, it defeats the purpose of telling, kind of telling them because they're trying to get that, you know, unexpected vibe with fucking with their head. So you can't tell them in the beginning. I mean, there's certain ones you can sign up for, but there's definitely, you know, there's certain ones that you know for the test they're doing, you, you need to have an un unsuspected mind. So I'm sure they just did what they regularly did, but told them after. In 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 you know success stories, unsuccessful stories, nobody was told. Well, well, they they told the dead ones too. They just couldn't listen to it. Why not? Uh, because Why they don't? gave him a dead ear. Oh, very oh, nice. very nice. Ken Kesey would be very happy with that wordplay. Ken Kesey's my boy. You know, and even like one flew over the cuckoo's nest got deals with that with the shock treatment. Where that's what they eventually destroyed Nicholson with shock shock treating him up. 
Well, actually, what what they destroyed him with was the lobotomy. Um, they know. did use the shock treatment on him, but the lobotomy that was the thing that destroyed him at the end. The ice pick, you know, up the eye, tap. Nice. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that you know, uh, when you're dealing uh, at that time with uh, you know hospitals and all that, you know, like I said earlier that they were given a lot of longer leeway to, you know, try different methods on those that were deemed uh, mentally uh, stunted. They stun? They stun? Oh, you know, no, I hear you. So, what, what, so we'll start with Sean. We'll go through real quick. What, what, what do we think? What do we think of this whole MK Ultra deal, the possibilities I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Scary Jr., what do you think about all this MK Ultra business? Yeah, I mean, it happened. Uh, you think it happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that I think that a lot of it probably happened, and uh, it's a weird. I think it was just a weird time of just naivety and like curiosity, and when you have. When you know that little, I guess when you know that little about something and you, you have those crazy minds at work, then yeah, anything's possible. And like, you just want to figure it out. You just want to figure something out and you throw all those resources into it. Then shit's going to go wrong and some shit's going to go well. And, but regardless, they're not going to tell you, but I don't know. I mean, I wonder how much of it is still, I wouldn't be surprised if, if MK Ultra was kind of like a sub. Kind of like a like a little like a almost like a subreddit of like a bigger picture thing that was going on, and it's pretty much still happening because something like that is like I think always going to be from a psychological from a standpoint very very interesting and like yeah. gonna have like I mean exactly like you look at you look at the way that the you look, just look at the way the media is like the I mean propaganda is ever evolving. And something has to be driving those changes. It has to be a better understanding in psychology. It has to be a better understanding of how, like, all those types of things. So, like, there's something there. there, there there's definitely people researching this shit. Mm. Like, there's got to be at like a government level and at a private level. I mean, so it doesn't. It would. It would. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy years from now, everybody's like, oh, like MK Ultra was a big deal, but it was just like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I think so. I think there was so much other shit going on. I think MK Ultra evolved into television and the media and everything. I think that's what kind of evolved into it. You know, really jumped, jumped, went, you know, went went to a whole different realm with it. Yeah, and I mean, the idea behind like all this stuff too, like it all started. You could see the way in which people's minds can be persuaded, and you know, propaganda can be so effective. It's not something that happens overnight it's it's very very slow very slow progression yeah. all the time so i mean takes takes years takes decades to to really sway the public's opinion about certain things and oh, they can sway them pretty quick it can sway them pretty quick certain things take a long time for sure i would i would say that like big 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 things like like we're talking things is things in the sense of like Events in the sense of like the Holocaust or something to that scale. That yeah. stuff happens so that stuff happens over t- 
10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, you know, 100 years. But, you know, yeah, I mean, just the divides in the U.S. right now, like whether they be like, you know, the the racial divides or the political affiliated, you know, affiliated divide, uh, divides, all that type of stuff. I mean, that stuff has has come on over the past probably 30, you know, pretty hard the past 20 years, like 9-11, I would say probably, probably. Oh yeah, dude, 9-11 changed, everything changed after 9-11, people don't even realize it, but that divide thing I want to comment on, and I agree with you completely, and that divide itself is brainwashing MK Ultra because the, yeah. I feel, you know, everybody, they want everybody divided, and I've said this before, and other people have said it, you know, they divided because if you're, if you're, if me and Jeff are looking at each other and hating each other. We're not looking at the big picture. We should both be hating Alex Hawk. <laughs> you know, yes, yeah. I, I'm the but puppet I that, master. I, I think that that's kind of some of the masking and curtain and brainwashing and stuff like that. Where like, there's a lot invested in us not getting along. Well, there's also like a, a control of information that way too. Like, there's always been a there's always been um, influence on you know what can be consumed and so forth, but. I think right now too, like you see just the blatant like naivety in a lot of people because they're so like, it's really weird because people like hold on to their political affiliations, even in the face of just complete utter ridiculousness. Right. Like, like they'll be like, they just, they're just like, you you just say you just support Trump like wholeheartedly. And like, he could just do the most ridiculous shit. And you just like, you just find a way to justify it or like whatever. It's the same thing with like people with, same thing with like you know the hardcore Biden supporters. And it's, it because they, they, it's pride because they they push this so heavy that this is what they believe that when the person, whatever side it is, does something really fucking stupid, they they're too proud to be able to go. You know what? That was fucking stupid because they've been praising them so much that they just can't allow themselves to say it. Uh, it just becomes so indoctrinated that I think that it's just easy for them. Yeah, they just they just I think a lot of people just really think it's right. It's kind of fucked can. up. And you can't you can't have a discussion with people that are closed off like that, which is part of the problem. Big like, part of the problem. And religion, religion's like, religion's crazy too. I'm actually like blown away how 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 like religious a lot of right wing extremists still are. Like it's crazy. It's like they're like the least religious people I've ever fucking met in my life, but they go to church on Sunday. It's like you want to get yeah. That's how it is, though. You know what I mean. You know, it's cr- a lot of those things are just kind of shields. They just put up shields of protection because they know it'll 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 turn certain people that might go after them will turn them away. Oh, Hawk, I got you over there. Uh, Heaven's I, gonna I, be I'm, a weird I'm, place. I'm saved. I'm saved. I went to church on Sunday. Yeah. I'm one of God's chosen man. Yeah, praise Jesus. Yeah, right. I, it, it's it's. It's just ridiculous. I mean, the thing is that people, what what I always find amazing is when you have people that they they spout that they have like a strong belief in whether a religion or a political party and all that, and you watch them and they do like the exact opposite. And it's like, dude, I mean... (laughs) I mean, it, it's it's funny because I mean, sometimes you uh, get like a Republican saying, you know, uh, I'll stand against you know gay marriage and, and gay rights, and then you find them, you know, getting sucked up in the bathroom. I mean, it's kind of like, dude, 
A blowjob is a blowjob, Hawk. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> just, just become a Democrat. It'd be easier for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the whole political discussion is weird. It's, it's. Uh, I think what's funny about it is like Americans are more. I feel like everybody's they're so much more alike than they really fucking than they than they than they realize. Because at the end of the day, like I, everybody just. I don't know why everybody just can't get together and say, all right, like everything's fucking broken and it all sucks. They don't want you to know that. Work together. Uh, yeah, but everybody knows that. That's the fucking crazy thing about it. Like if you were to ask anybody you would ask, like most people you ask would be like, yeah, I agree. Like things need drastically to be changed on either side, but they won't. But like. What's that quote where they they say Americans have traded their freedoms for protection or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of true, you know? Yeah, those who are are willing to give up their freedom for uh, for protection deserves neither freedom or protection. I believe that. I I think that was uh, Benjamin Franklin. I think. I could be wrong. That was Alexander Hawk. That was Uh, Alexander Hawk. He's taking it back. Yeah. But that's but, like that's true, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it, I, mean yeah. that, I think that's most. That's like most. Uh, I think modern Western societies, though. Yeah. yeah. It's tricky. You got to be careful. They're brainwashing you down. You know, Jeff. Jeff's not worried about brainwashing. He's got. We had dirty minds. We need a good brainwashing. How do it? I floss my brain after this. I seen you get very passionate there, Hawk, when you got to say there was no gun. <laughs> Listen, it's it's just another uh, another thing that people use to control other people. In my opinion, yeah. Well, yeah. it's just that what it is is like people like to think that they're people like to think that they they're on that the way. They're, that they're like morally superior in some way, no. you know. But the yeah. funny thing is, is I. This I feel like this is probably have you know it's, it's again just brought you know, like some uh what was it what was that movie of that Boston the they would like found all the priests for diddling the kids oh like, spotlight 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 yeah yeah, yeah there was a um, blank there was a priest like recently I think he like just recently died a couple of days ago I was reading about it on in, uh, on the news but he like admitted that he killed the altar boy like there was a there was like a they didn't have, they couldn't, uh, solve this murder for ye for ye for decades. And then he just, he just admitted that he like killed this altar boy, like took him out to like the river bed or whatever, and like beat him and like abused him and stuff and like killed him. And then they yeah. like, and he was on his deathbed. So I mean, what are they going to do? You know, but he just, I would have strangled him. Well, 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 I mean, the thing is that that's one of the things that I always find. Uh, I mean, I grew up Catholic. I went to, you know, private, uh, grade school and all that stuff and went to Sunday school, all that bullshit. Yeah. Now, I mean, the thing that I always had a problem was the thing that, oh, you go to confession, they absolve your sins. Now, technically, you're supposed to feel, really feel sorry when you confess your sins, but most people, I mean, like that friggin' priest in his mind is like, oh, yeah, I confessed, I did this horrible thing, I'm going to heaven because I confessed it, see? I did this horrible thing, but I can get away with it. I mean, that's that is the mentality. That is the mentality of those in power and those 
you know, in, you know, whether it's politics or, or religious circles. Well, the confessional booth was used for manipulation back in the day. Like, that's how the whole deal is. The church would learn your dark secrets. And, and use it against you. Then hold them against you. Yeah. yeah. That was, like, the, one of their big tools to get what they needed done, whether you were a king or fucking the deli dude down the street. You know what I mean? And they wanted they to back they, then? They controlled the... Oh, yeah. They controlled the the knowledge too, like they controlled books. Like you couldn't only like certain, only like priests and stuff had access to like books. That's that's why it's tough to. Because they knew that knowledge would. They knew that if people, they knew that if people were educated, they wouldn't be religious. Right. Uh, well, like I they, mean, like it, it's it. it's funny because I did I uh, um when I was doing the whole you know church bullshit. Bye. Um. Hey. Um, when I was, I was doing that, uh, one of the things is, you know, the old saying that the meat sh- shall inherit the earth. Yeah. Originally, that was not the saying. The original saying was the scholars will inherit the earth. But like, like you just said, no one wants intelligent people that they're trying to control. So it's easier if I'm like, oh, if you're meek, you're easygoing, you do what you have to do. And then when you die, you'll, you know, go to heaven and you'll be patted on the head and you'll be a good little boy. But no, the thing is that the only way to truly uh, inherit the earth is through knowledge. And the thing is, uh, especially in, in America, if you look at it, that the one thing that we are like uh, the best at is educating other countries' people. Okay. We don't educate our own people. Okay, we educate everyone else. That's why they come here. They come here, they learn everything, and then they go and they try to fix or, or do whatever at, in their own country and be better that way. But those in America, they don't want that because as soon as uh, working class and the smaller people start actually becoming intelligent and questioning the situation, that is when you know you have uprisings. That's when you have you know people asking like. Why is it, you know, you have uh, these corporate people making, like, billions upon billions of dollars uh, a minute, okay? Well, you have those who are actually doing the work because, you know, those on the top, the corporate people, they haven't worked a day in their fucking life, okay? They are up there collecting money off of the backs of everyone else, all right? And the truth is, if they actually gave people a reasonable uh, wage, they will still have billions upon billions of dollars. Okay, they're not even going. They not they're not even sacrificing where they are in society. They don't even sacrifice, you know, the uh, Hamptons or wherever they go to on the weekends. Okay, that's what blows my mind. It's like if you give people a decent wage, they will work harder for you and make a better product, and then you will make more money. I mean, that's the thing that always blows my mind. And the rant. So I like it. I like seeing the passion. It's very nice. I like seeing the passion too, but I need to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went we went like two hours on this anyway, so it's good. So with that being said, you know, we hope everybody enjoyed this episode. This was a nice uh, – uh, uh Slobanaka. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rest in peace. New Jack. Hardcore legend New Jack died. Like uh, a week ago, 
Don Gahito, he was a you know legend, of course. And I lo- I always loved how he didn't fucking care about what he said. He just said it. He would have been a good guest. Yeah. Um, cool. So with that being said, if you like the show, you know, check out our other show, uh, other shows on the network. Uh, on the Boombastic Media, check out our page on Facebook, Boom ba- on, a, on our Behold the Pale Podcast Facebook page. Um, hell yeah. Thanks for listening. You know, numbers are up. We're doing it big style. You know what I mean? Um, insert audio clip now. All right. So we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of Behold a Pale Podcast. The American Central Intelligence Agency has been accused of manipulating citizens of countries all over the world, including Canada. At the moment, a number of Canadians are considering suing the CIA. They believe they are victims of covered CIA experiments. They believe they were part of a CIA project called MKUltra, a research project so secret that even the Canadian government was not informed that the agency was funding activities in this country. The CIA was seeking a new weapon, aimed not at the body, but at the mind. I feel like I've been completely used. I feel like my mind has been completely invaded. I suppose uh, if guinea pigs have feelings, they'd feel like I do. LSD trips were terrifying to patients who had never heard of LSD and who had no way of knowing why their world was suddenly upside down. Hallucinations last for hours. Really horrifying, very horrifying, and... uh, they gave it to me for about 12 or 15 times. One minute I would see the doctor there, the next minute I wouldn't see him there, and uh, they were asking me all kinds of questions, and uh, I remember them telling me that I was getting smaller and smaller, and I really felt myself getting smaller. And uh, they were bringing me back in time, way back. Uh, you know, At one point I almost felt like I was just about to be uh, born <laughs> really that far back in memory and uh, they were really really probing uh, asking all kinds of questions and uh, I felt I didn't have any control I had to answer I didn't feel I had any control I was completely uh, like they had complete control over me the interest in this sort of chemical this kind of magic this shortcut weapon prompted the CIA's interest in hallucinogens, particularly LSD? Very definitely, because uh, the, uh, um, the, the, the first pressure was being based on the idea that there was some kind of truth serum or truth drug or something on that. So the people who knew that end of the business, they were definitely beginning to look in terms of chemotherapy. And, of course, to people in this day and age, it's very hard to believe that the... The period before 1960 was a period which was certainly not a chemical culture in this country and not a drug culture in any sense of the word. Massive doses of electroshock, 20 times more intense than the standard shock treatments used today, were administered to patients who were kept sleeping for days. Dr. Cameron thought he could wipe out patients' sick behavior and leave the healthy personality intact. But first patients were to be so depatterned that some even forgot their toilet training. Not all the patients ever completely regained their memories. Some would reach what Cameron would uh, call the third stage of depatney uh, that, uh, with that method. Others would need uh, two treatments a day, maybe for a week or longer, before what, they got to the third what stage. What would characterize the third stage of depatterning? 
well the third stage as defined by Cameron was a, a loss of um, uh, ability to uh, uh, orientate themselves they, they knew who they were but they didn't know where they were and they didn't know what age they were as you probably know uh, electroshock treatment has been given for depression for something like 40 years now. It's a very successful and uh, useful treatment for severe depression that doesn't respond to other things. But depatterning is a use of electroshock treatment in a totally different way, in which instead of giving the shocks, say, two or three times a week, uh, they're given two or three times a day for three or four weeks, reducing the patient to a sort of animal, vegetable state from which it's hoped that they would recover in a, uh, a more healthy state of mind. It didn't work. It didn't.